Blog Talk Radio.
for some for some reason or another. And uh, we're working it out now so that uh, if that happens again, that uh, my uh, co-host, Sam D., that he and Beth will take the show and run it out so that there's not a gap in the program or anything like that. And uh, I figured out uh, how to repost an old show so that it will go in the slot if uh, if something happens and I can't be there. Uh, it, uh, it'll... Uh, We'll replay an old show. But Beth is going to come on. She's going to. Uh, she's said she's willing to be a, a part-time guest for CMD. So that's uh, something to look forward to. So there's not a, a block of uh, dead air there on the nights when something happens. I can't make it in. All right, guys. Uh, you can call into the radio show at three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Let me slow that down a bit. Three four seven. Three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Now the whole reason that I do a live talk show rather than doing a, a podcast or a can show is so that I can take calls. That's the only reason. Otherwise, I would just do a just a regular can show, do a podcast, and put it up. Now, I've been asked to do that. I've been asked to join several networks now already and do that, but I am loath to do it because. If I do that, then I can't have live callers. But if you guys don't call in, then there's no reason for me not to do it, right? So I'd like you guys to call in. This is just as much your show. That's the reason I do it. I don't do it for me. I don't do it to talk or to hear myself talk because I can't stand listening to uh, episodes because uh, I can't stand listening to myself. The reason I do it is for you guys. And I expect uh, you guys to, uh, to lend a hand. By calling in and adding your voice uh, to the show, that's three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Now, one of the things that we'd like for you guys to do is call in and tell your local crews thank you for the jobs that they're doing at Appleseed. The Appleseed Project is a nationwide, not-for-profit organization dedicated to teaching the absolute best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship program in the nation today. The absolute best. And no one does it like Appleseed does it. No one really even does it anymore at all. But nobody is geared up to do it like Appleseed does. Nobody can do it. Nobody can run a show like Appleseed does. They do the greatest shows in the nation. They're going to teach you the absolute best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship program in the nation today. The absolute best. And when I say fundamentals, I'm not talking about the basics. This isn't a baby course, all right? This is a uh, it's a very hardcore weekend, and it moves at a rapid pace, and it teaches a lot of stuff. Uh, the The basics are the things like this is the this is the buttstock. It goes on your arm. This is a barrel where the bullet comes out of. Don't don't reverse them. Uh, stuff like that. This isn't like that. This is not a baby course. Uh, on any given weekend, folks that show up to take the course, uh, on one end of the line, I'll have somebody who will say, "Hey, look, can you come with me to my car and help me get a rifle out of the out of the trunk that I just bought at Walmart?" No problem. We can help you out. On the other end of the line is a guy who says, "Hey, look, I'm getting ready to deploy. I got a course coming up, uh, a designated marksman course or a Marine sniper course." And I want to get this under my belt before I go there. Absolutely. 
both of those guys are going to get what they came for, all right? There is nobody that does it like Appleseed. Absolutely no one. We have the absolute best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship program in the nation. Along with that, you're going to get a rock-solid foundation in rifle safety, okay? We're one of the safest organizations uh, around as far as rifle safety is concerned. We're really hardcore about the safety, and because we are, you will be. You will learn how to do that. You'll learn how to be hardcore about your safety procedures. Uh, it's a perfect place to bring kids to teach them about rifle safety. <clears throat> we don't push the, the aspect of rifle safety as much as we should because because a lot of people don't. Uh, I'm far, I don't mean we don't push it as far as telling folks that that's what they're going to get. Uh, we're hardcore once you're there and on the line, right. But we don't push the uh, the fact that we we teach uh, that you're going to get a rock solid foundation in uh, rifle safety, okay? But you are going to get a great rifle safety course. You're going to get a a foundation because in the two days of handling your rifle in the safest manner possible, being safe, learning how to become uh, an individual safety officer. Uh, you're going to walk out of there with a great respect for your rifle. I don't mean a fear of it, uh, because that's what most people who don't know anything about firearms, who don't have any, have not had any contact with them, that's what they have. They have a fear of firearms. They have a fear because in their ignorance, they do not understand them. They think that uh, that firearms are... Uh, are evil in and of themselves that they are that they are basically uh, an evil coiled black snake in a bag or box ready to bite you. And believe me, I've seen this over and over again. I've heard them say it over and over again. I've seen them get on the line with that look on their face, like like uh, like they're constipated and uh, and they've got a uh, uh, a grass burr on their foot at the same time. And I see them leave there much more at ease, much more confident, and they don't have the fear that was brought on by ignorance. So the rifle safety portion uh, of the course is just fantastic. You're also going to get a couple of hours of American history, American heritage. And really, that's what the Apple Seeds Project is all about, right? Because what we're trying to do, the thing that we're trying to do, the mission that we have of waking people up, getting them off their couches, getting them uh, involved in their lives, making them understand that each and every one of them have a sacred responsibility, a sacred non-delegatable responsibility to safeguard the freedoms and liberties that living in this nation affords them. We're going to talk to them about that at an apple seed. We could do that. We could do the apple seed mission with uh, with knitting, uh, with uh, basketball or volleyball or, or or anything. We could do it with that. But it just so happens that the the people who are interested in firearms or want to learn about firearms, that those type of folks are usually the folks where that message is going to resonate in their hearts. I'm not talking about uh, uh, most people think that the people that come to things like Appleseed are actually revolutionaries themselves. They are right-wing uh, extremists. They are uh, 
they're the NRA members, and they're out to teach people how to break into schools and, and, and do shootings. <clears throat> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the folks who are liberty-minded, the folks that that want to hear this message. It just so happens that somehow the two go together. And I'll tell you this right now, that the folks that come to Appleseeds, I, I'm still not sure what the uh, what all the the things that make this happen. Uh, it's like some kind of a filter or something. But the folks that show up at Appleseed happen to be the absolute best folks in the world, right? They're some of the absolute best folks in the world. They're the the most courageous, the most loyal, the most patriotic. Uh, the most handsome and the most beautiful. <laughs> They're the best folks in the world that show up there. You're going to meet a lot of good people. You're going to make uh, friends. You're going to make some lifelong friends. And you can get rid of some of your old sorry friends, right? Some of the folks that that uh, that don't bring your tools back or borrow money and never pay it back, you get rid of those folks and you replace them with some apple seed friends. Apple seed friends are the ones... When you say, look, I want to go to the range this weekend and uh, work on my position, work on my shooting position, they go, hey, yeah, me too, let's go. What time do you want to go? Most of your sorry friends go, oh, man, I can't go. There's a NASCAR race on or uh, or I've got a spa weekend. Those are the people you want to get rid of and get some apple seed friends, all right? Uh, I could tell you, uh, a thousand and one reasons why you should be skilled in the art of rifle marksmanship. But uh, I'm not going to do that right now. I might mention one or two during the show, but I'm not going to do that uh, right now. Uh, right now, like I said, uh, I'd like to, I'm going to go ahead and start talking about what I wanted to talk about. But right now, I'd still would like you guys to to call in to the show and uh and you can talk, call in and talk about what we're commenting on, but I'd like you to call in and talk about your buddies uh, in your local Appleseed crews, uh, folks that have uh, maybe they've uh, taken another step in progressing on the way to uh, becoming uh, full Appleseed instructors, or maybe they've become a shoot boss, or maybe they just shot uh, a really good AQT this last weekend. Uh or maybe they're just there all the time to help. They arrive early, they help do the setup, and they don't leave until after everything's back in the box. So uh, I would like to thank a couple of guys. I've got two guys that uh, that work here, usually at the Davila Shoots. Uh, all they, they both work everywhere. And that is Bill Cronk and Chuck Leeming. These are uh, two of the best absolute guys I've that I know of, and uh, they always go the extra mile. They always act in a professional fashion. Uh, they, they're never goofing off. I tell you, if I'm running an event, I can guarantee you I will never look back behind me while the shooter's on the line and see these guys back there shooting the breeze. It don't happen. They're always down engaged with the shooters. Uh, they're always ready to jump in and teach something. They're always there early before the show starts, 
uh, helping to do the setup, and they don't leave until everything's back in the box. And I'll add another name in there, too. You guys hear this all the time for me, but uh, uh, Reliable, uh, Larry Kudrad, he's another one. Uh, those three guys are the salt of the earth here for me. And uh, it'd be hard for me to do the show without them, all right? And let me thank uh, uh, my co-host, Sam D, because Sam does all the dirty work here, and uh, he does a great job of uh, of making sure that the callers are lined up. He's got them screened, and and uh, if I get thrown off the air, then, then Sam jumps in, and uh, and uh, he does a great job. Matter of fact, uh, Sam, uh, I just opened your mic up. I wanted you to I wanted you to come in and just uh, say hi to folks, and uh, and uh, I wanted to thank you for for the work that you do. Well, I thank you, but ain't nothing dirty about it. All I get to do is talk with nice people that want to listen to the show and talk with us. That's pretty good. Yeah, job. well, I'm sure I'm sure there's a little bit of dirty to it because I know I know for a fact because I've caught him doing it a lot of times that, that during the show. Uh, Sam is out there in his uh, waders uh, feeding the geese and stuff like that because I remember a couple of years ago I opened his mic and uh, all it was was the, the geese honking. And uh, so I know that there's something. Uh, there's Sometimes the show can get dirty because you're out there with them. Sam trains uh, uh, herding dogs, and he uses geese uh, to help train them. Mike, I'm not off base there, am I, Sam? No, you got it. We use geese, and I uh, keep a few head of cattle around and a flock of sheep as pets for the dogs. Yeah, that's that's when uh, when Sam is not being uh, shot and killed or arrested or cavity searched uh, by one of the uh, military uh, units. You know, Sam used to, uh, way back in the day, he doesn't do anything like that now. Uh, I'm not uh, breaking any... Uh, Secrecy rules. Uh, but Sam was working, uh, helping to train soldiers who were about to deploy to Afghanistan, and I'm sure that they uh, they picked you partly because of your that big facial hair you got there, right? <laughs> yeah, they did. It's been well, combed Sam, up foreign objects many times. <laughs> <laughs> Sam uh, Sam used to do a great service for the nation. You know, he's military too, but he used to do a great service by. Uh, by acting as the bad guys, and sometimes good guys, I'm sure, too, but acting as uh, the indigenous personnel that our troops were going to go and meet. He uh, he wasn't just an actor or anything like that. He was uh, he was high up there in the ranks, helping to design scenarios and, I'm sure, to uh, do stuff like create ambushes and different things like that and get, uh, get, get the show soldiers a taste of what it was going to be like. And... Uh, I can tell you that he did a good job because I talked to troops and I've heard troops talk about being there, and they said that uh, that the the uh, transition into Iraq and stuff was made a lot easier by the work that Sam and the rest of his uh, the rest of his uh, indigenous tribesmen did because uh, he said it was the uh, it was so real. That whenever they arrived in country, uh, that there wasn't a whole lot of difference. They really felt uh, there wasn't that hard uh, that hard learning curve 
that you experience whenever you whenever you're a, uh, a military serviceman and you arrive in country, there is there is usually unless you've had some training with this, there is usually a hard learning curve that you have to to go through when you first arrive. That's one of the most dangerous times uh, that you can experience because of, you learn by doing things wrong. And I'm telling you right now, you do you do very many wrong things in a combat zone, and you don't make it back. So you did a great uh, a great job of helping the American service in there, and you did a great job here with me. You guys don't hear him too much, but uh, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna change that and uh, and drag him out here more often. At the beginning of the show, you heard me talking about uh, getting uh, Sam and Beth. Uh, both work out so that uh, if I happen to uh, be able, to, if I happen not to make the show, Beth said that she wouldn't mind, uh, you know, coming over and helping out. So I want to try and make sure that I've got a couple of people who can uh, come on the show if I can't make it to come on the show and uh, help make sure there's no dare, dead air. So thank you, Sam. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, I want to make sure that you guys, the rest of you guys, now I know that. Uh, uh, I don't know what happened to the uh, to the mailing system, but I clicked on it. Uh, well, I started sending out the email reminders. I guess about three hours ago. And usually, it takes about oh, I'd say about forty-five minutes at the most to send them all out because I'm sure it does it in batches. But uh, I guess about thirty minutes before the show, I checked to see the progress on it. Usually, I'll just have a a message there saying that uh, they've all been sent out, everything's done, and it's the system is closed down. And uh, <clears throat> there were only uh, only 12% of the 14,000 emails had gone out. So I don't know what happened with that. I, I rebooted it, and it seemed like it started working fine, but I'm looking at it now, and it's still not quite done. So I know a lot of people uh, may not have gotten their reminders uh, uh, in time, to remind them for the show. Now listen, you guys, uh, you can tell me too. Uh, when, when when do you guys like to get your email reminders? Because usually I try and send them out so that they arrive at your boxes between uh, say 4:30 and 6:30. That way, whenever you're getting off work and checking your emails, you see it right there. You go, okay, you remember, and you you go to it. But uh, if uh, if there is something, if you guys would rather have it at some other point, a reminder at some other point, let me know because uh, I'm always willing to to alter things. Uh, but I've tried it several different ways: the day before, the morning of, and stuff like that. And, uh, and it seems to me like this has worked uh, the best. <clears throat> All right, uh, we we're going to talk about the current uh, the current issues with gun control because uh, and and I'm not going to talk as much about it tonight without Beth because uh, uh, because I'm not because uh, I I don't mind doing it with guests but I don't want to spend a whole lot of a whole lot of time doing it but let's just talk uh, let's just talk a little bit about it okay the first thing is that uh, the 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 story of gun control is 
is a fairly old story. Uh, it started out even before the country was formed. You know, you have uh, you have people talking about uh, uh, about gun control uh, even before the even before the United States was formed, and uh, and it's been it's been a continuing thing throughout the history of the nation. But really, the, the real main pushes have occurred in the in the last uh the last three to four decades. Uh, you have uh you have the first big wave of gun issues that uh, ran through uh following the assassination of uh, Robert Kennedy and Dr. Martin Luther King. Remember they they had the Carcano rifle that uh uh, that Ruby had ordered uh, by the in the mail. He got it in the mail, uh, and I remember that uh, I remember reading the different magazines and stuff when I was a kid, and uh, they were selling all kinds of old rifles. I remember seeing the ads in the back of the magazines uh, where you could get. Uh, then they had, they had stacks of well, Carcanos and Lee Enfields, you name it. They had stacks of them, and most of the rifles, like a good Lee Enfield rifle, you can buy between uh, oh seventeen and uh, and twenty dollars. And uh, and what would it be great if those times were now, right? And uh, and uh, I can remember even even uh, as late as. Well, the latest, right around 1990, uh, I remember being in Houston, uh, in downtown Houston, and there was a Walgreens there. You know, I think I was looking for something like I think I had a cold or something. I was looking for some cold medicine. And I went downstairs to the Walgreens, and and I turned the wrong way to get where I was going. I ended up in the toys. And I happened to look down, and right there in the toy section, was this big long double rack, uh, double gun rack, had about uh, thirty or forty uh, M1 carbines and tanker grands, M1 carbines and tanker grands, and uh, it's not like they were locked up or anything. They were just sitting there on the shelf on a gun rack there in the shelf in the toy aisle, toy aisle in the Walgreens, and. Uh, and as far as I know, nobody grabbed one up and started uh, uh, any kind of a mass shooting. But following the assassinations of the Kennedy King, that began the uh, the beginning of the gun law in 1968. But but even after that, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, uh, I mean a whole lot of of worry about it until uh, until after a Democratic-controlled Congress in uh, 1994 uh, passed bills that President Clinton had proposed to restrict certain kinds of assault weapons 
and to create a national system of background checks and for the gun purchases. Then the political pendulum, the the the, the thoughts of folks began to slide back the other way because the government and you know, the government was eroding uh, another one of our our rights. And I'm not telling you it's a constitutional right. I'm telling you, in my mind, and in many people's minds, it's a God-given right. We have a God-given right to defend ourselves. And if we were living uh, 300 years ago, 400 years ago, then we have a God-given right to have uh, a sword or a bow and arrow or a hatchet, whatever it was, because that is what that is what the people at that time had. You have a right to have a way to defend yourself against whatever uh, you might find in the hands of your enemy, uh, of, the, of the person trying to do you harm. Yes, if the people, the evil people that we will face today if they have the ability to have a firearm, then, and believe me, they do, and there's nothing you're going to be able to do to stop them from it because because you can't. If you can stop folks from things, then you wouldn't be able to walk onto the street corner of any street in the nation and get yourself a fix, right? Because you can now. You can't. And there are strict laws against uh, drugs. We've got the war on drugs, just like we have the war on terror and the the war on poverty and the war on whatever the next thing is. We've got the war on drugs. And what has it done? Really all it's done is created... Uh, uh, created ways for very, very evil people to amass fortunes, ways for terrorist networks to fund themselves. Now, let me get this out there straight too. I'm not a I'm not an advocate of drug use, all right? Uh I don't uh, uh I don't use drugs and I don't advocate the use of drugs, but uh but we've seen what happens when we try to do the same thing with uh, alcohol. What happened then? All it did was create a huge organized crime network. The uh, the the money that uh, that came from importing and selling illegal alcohol with the same money that built huge crime organizations. And that's what you have now. If uh uh like I said, I'm not I'm not really even a libertarian when it comes to drug issues. Uh I, I would be except for I've seen I've seen what happens when people use drugs. And I know what you're going to say, because I say the same thing, and that is, well, what about alcohol? Look at all those drunk homeless people laying in the middle of the road 
that are that are drunk on alcohol and that are now worthless. You're right. Absolutely you're right. But then you gotta ask yourself, do we need some more? Do we need some more categories of absolutely worthless homeless people laying in the street? Yeah, we've already got them. Yes, we do. We already have them by the millions. But do we need some more? I don't know what the answer is, but I'll tell you right now. The answer is not uh, is not more laws, not more laws to make it more illegal. If uh, if that were the case, I would be all for uh, some kind uh, some measure of gun control or something, right? If uh, if if I knew for a fact that doing uh, certain things X Y Z, if uh, if limiting magazine capacity, if I knew that would stop uh, school shootings from now on, I don't know, man. I might have to uh, I might have to get behind it. But here's the thing: it won't. It cannot. It can't even have any effect at all on it. So why is it happening? Why is it places like New York uh, now have made laws so that uh, you cannot make any more or sell any more magazines that uh, that hold over seven rounds? Now, as far as I know, there's not too many seven-round magazines. The 40s, uh, 1911 is uh, the, the closest one to it. But they're not making the 10-rounders. They're not making you turn them all in. They're just making it a crime if you put more than seven rounds in it. So, law-abiding citizens, normally uh, upright, upstanding law-abiding citizens who are prepping a mag uh, and they miscount and they put an eighth round into a seven-round mag are now criminals. Okay, so, if, uh, uh, I'm I'm telling you that if, if making more laws, if making more laws would work, maybe I would be behind that too, I don't know. But they've already talked to criminals. Anybody in their right mind knows that criminals don't pay attention to the laws. That's that's how they became criminals. They ignored the laws. They broke the laws. They had contempt and disrespect and, and no care whatsoever about the law. They broke the law. They're not going to obey the law. That's why they're criminals. Do you think that they're going to they're going to say, look, guys, we got a drive-by shooting, which... Uh, we're already breaking about 25 laws in the first place. We've got a bunch of drugs. We're doing drugs, illegal, illicit drugs. We're doing these drugs. Uh, none of us have a driver's license. They're all suspended. We are felons in possession of firearms. And we're going to drive out somewhere to commit a murder. We've all talked about this, right? We've all talked about this before, and now it's conspiracy to commit murder. Uh, and we've done it. Uh, quite a few times in the past, and so now we're we're members of an ongoing criminal uh, uh, activity. So 
Now, there's another uh, law that we're breaking there, the uh, the RICO. And uh, we're going to do all that, okay? But here's what we're going to do. Guys, get your snap for a second. Everybody, stop what you're doing. Drop the, uh, drop the crack pipes. Put down your 40s. Wait for just a second. Here we go. I want you to pay attention. Do not put more than seven rounds in that mag. Guys, got it? Because even though we're criminals, there's... There's places we even we won't go. There's laws that even we won't break. We won't break the law of putting more than seven rounds in the mag. Okay? Everybody got it? All right, good to go. <clears throat> so if it's not about stopping criminals from committing crimes, what is it? Do you think that a person who is intent on committing some great evil that they're going to be put off by the law? They, a lot of these people who are committing these horrible crimes like this, I'm at, right at this point, I don't know if they can even tell you what their name is. Every single one of these crazy people who've gone out and committed these uh, these massive shootings, they all have one thing that links them all together. Well, two. They all had a gun. That's one thing. The other thing is they were all on prescribed medication. They're all on prescribed uh, uh, anti-depression-type medicines. <clears throat> so, so what does that tell you? Well, I don't know. I don't know what it tells me other than <laughs> that i got to say that uh, – then it's obviously something we should be looking at, right? If we have two things that link all these people together, one is guns, and they're going after the guns tooth and nail, even though the way they're going at it makes no sense whatsoever. Well, they're going after tooth and nail. What's the other thing that they all have in common? Well, that's prescription uh, uh, emotional uh, antidepressive-type medication. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. One prescribed medicine. I think it's time we took a look at that. But do you think that somebody like that is going to, uh, if they're going to stop at seven rounds, are they going to? No, they're not. Now, I think, too, that uh, these guys were in such a rush to push this bowl of excrement out on uh, these citizens in New York that uh, that they didn't exclude police. So the police uh, are also under this law. Now, I'm sure that uh, they'll be given provisions or there'll be changed. Or, and who's, who's going to arrest the police? Are you, as a citizen, going to make a citizen's rest on the police? You better do it in front of a couple of hundred witnesses because uh, because I don't think it's going to go well for you. So they push you through so much that uh, even the police are covered by this now. It makes the uh, police criminals uh, for having the the extra rounds in their magazines. And i got to ask you this. Okay, 
like I said, if it's not about stopping crime, even though they may think it is, if it's not about that, what is it? What is it about? It's about control. It's about the government exerting control over you. We're going to exert control over you. We're going to make you do as we say, as we please, on your knees. That's what it's about. We're going to make you do what we want you to do. We're going to show you we have the power to do it. And this is some very, very dangerous territory that we're that we're finding ourselves walking into. Why are we doing this? Why are they making why are they making millions of law abiding American citizens potentially criminals? I don't understand this. <clears throat> But that's what's happening. So, uh, and what happens is every time there is there is some type of a school shooting or a mass shooting or something like that, the the knee jerk reaction is to make a law, to make a law on it, to make a law to fix this. And why? Why is that? Because because that is all the government can do. That's really, that's what their job is. Their job, uh, as senators, is to make laws. So that's what they're going to do. That's the only tool they have in their toolbox. And I'm sure you guys have all heard the saying that, if the only tool you have in your toolbox is a hammer, then every problem starts looking like a nail, right? That's what the government does. They have no other way. They have no other way to fix this other than to to enact legislation, to make laws, because that's what their job is. So they're put under the pressure to make laws. Oh, look, here is a here is a cause out here, the school shooting cause, uh, and the effect is as a lawmaker, I'm going to make a law to ensure that doesn't happen again because that's the only tool I have in my toolbox. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I've been looking at the, the talk. You guys are still hearing me, right? I haven't been dropped uh, uh, by the by blog talking, have I? Just uh, put a quick note in there and see if you can uh, if you can hear me. But if I get dropped, not even Sam can talk to me because uh, if I'm dropped, I'm dropped. Anyway, the uh, the legislators that's all they have. That's all they can think of. That's all they that's all they can do. But let me ask you this too: is you have. Uh, we we have a, a we need to have a system of parity in the nation too, right? And that is if if the police if they're allowed to have certain arms because why why would they need why would a policeman need an AR-15? 
why would he need that? I mean, really, why can't he just do like uh, what the uh, what a lot of the English bobbies did? A lot of them still do it today. They don't have guns. They've just got nightsticks, right? So why can't our police do that? Why can't they just have just nightsticks or just a pistol? Well, they say there are situations that require the use of a long arm, and that require that might require them to use uh, a magazine that has uh, more rounds than uh, seven rounds. They may have to do that. Well, as citizens, we might have to do that too. We may have to. Uh, we may experience some situation like that too. So why are we being excluded from being able to protect ourselves or defend ourselves? And listen, let me tell you, too, that uh, I don't know, like I said, I don't know how much thinking went into this because it takes me exactly the same amount to change a a 10-round magazine in one of my XDs or whatever I'm using. It takes me the exact amount of time to change that mag as it does to change one of the 16 or 17 or 18-round mags, right? The exact same amount of time to change the mag. So how is this helping? And the answer is it's not. It's not about helping. It's about the the senators and uh, our reps using the only thing they have in their toolbox, which is a hammer, to correct every problem they see, which all they all look like nails now. And for the majority of the uh, members of the government right now. It's about control. It's about exerting control because if you listen to, and you can do this by going to, uh, uh, there's a couple of channels uh, on uh, uh, on television uh, that that cover the government. If you go to the channels and you listen to them, the majority of the folks that you hear talking, that's what they're talking about. And they're talking, they're not talking about it in hushed tones. They're talking about it uh, loud and clear. They're saying, we're going to have control. We're going to take control of this. We're going to take control, and we're going to make people do what we say. Even if it means nationalizing them, even if it means taking away all their rights, we're going to make them do what we say. The uh, the uh, recent national defense law that came through with uh, with the uh, with the section in it that deals with indefinite holding of suspected terrorists is one of the things I'm talking about. Uh, and that is giving the police and troops, giving the government the ability to give you a label. Now, whether it belongs to you or not, it doesn't matter. Because they've taken away your right uh, to seek counsel. You're not allowed to have a lawyer. You're not allowed to have a trial. You're not allowed to talk to anybody about any of this. You are simply held, you are detained indefinitely. No different than uh, what's going on with the guys at Guantanamo. And 
And I got to tell you, I'm not that happy with Guantanamo, right? Because I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody should be held that way, all right? If they're bad guys, let them go. Let them get back to the combat zone and let's get rid of them, all right? Our guys are pretty dang good. Let's let them go. Heck, let's give them a set of clothes. Let's give them a uh, a ticket straight to Afghanistan. Uh, let's even uh, uh, let's even give them an old SKS and let's get them into the fight as quick as we can. Don't worry, our guys will take care of it. Our guys will make that problem right. I don't like the indefinite holding thing. I don't like uh, making people disappear. That's not the American way. That's not the way we're supposed to be. And I sure don't want to see it happening to American citizens. I don't want to see American citizens being held indefinitely without being able to seek counsel, without being able to have a trial, because someone has put a label on them. It doesn't say that you did anything. You don't have to have done anything. All you have to be done, all that has to happen to you is for you to get the label. He's a suspected terrorist. And now he can be held indefinitely. Because when you guys are thinking about this, you're thinking about uh, about seeing Ahmed or Bin Laden with a beard and uh, uh, and a long man dress and uh, and an AK, and you say, yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, we should keep that guy indefinitely. Well, I'm not talking about them. I just told you my my belief on that. Anyway, we're not talking about them. We're talking about you. We're talking about each and every one of you guys. <clears throat> and that is you being held indefinitely without uh, without counsel, without trial, without bail or bond. Well, I mean, I'll talk to anybody. Just made, just locked up and disappeared. And uh, don't think that it can't happen because it's already happened to, I don't who knows how many people it's already happened to. So that, my friends, is the problem with government because the government is... Uh, Hold on just one second. <clears throat> because government <clears throat> is always going to uh always going to to try and protect itself uh and try to expand and, and remember George Washington's uh discussion about government. What did he say? He said, uh, government is not reason. You understand what I'm saying? Government is not reason. Uh, the things that government does are certainly, they don't, they're, it's not always done reasonably. It's, government is not reason. It's not eloquent. It's force. Uh, like fire. It's a dangerous servant and a fearful master. Like fire. 
Absolutely. And certainly fire can be good. We cook with it. We heat ourselves. You know, we make ourselves warm with it. Uh, we use it to to manufacture things. <clears throat> the fire also gets away, and it burns and kills and destroys everything. Government can do the same thing. Now, and how do we stop it? How do we stop this from happening? We pay attention to government. We pay attention to government, and we do our job. We do our job of watching the government, of making sure that we're watching what they're doing, and we talk to the government. We talk to the government. We tell them. I just got through talking to Congressman Forrest, and he's a new congressman here for our district. And let me let me rephrase it. I didn't talk to the congressman, and I, I don't know. I've heard him talk. He seems like a great guy, but I, I've never spoken to him, so I don't know really what he's like. So I talked to uh, his staff members, and let me tell you this about the staff members. Uh, when I talked to one of my, one of my first calls there after uh, uh, after the craziness started up about a month ago, I called him to talk to him, and I called again just recently, and I spoke to one of the staff members. I'm sure it's a uh, uh, you know, a volunteer aide there, but I talked to the guy for a good ten minutes, uh, explaining to him why uh, I told him. I said, "Look, I, I want to make sure that Congressman Forrest understands that if he doesn't oppose this craziness, if he doesn't oppose it as strongly as he can, or if he votes for any type of." Uh, gun restrictions, et cetera, stuff like that, that, that that's a deal breaker for me and that I'll vote for for anybody who opposes him, no matter what the letters are, no matter if the person that I'm voting for is saying, hey, you thought he was bad? I'm going to make him look like a church lady. I'm going to go out to you guys two and nail. It doesn't matter. I'm going to vote for him still because how could he be any worse than the guy who just sold me down the river? Anyway, I was trying to make this clear to the to the aide. When I got through, I said, "Okay." I said, "I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to give you any grief." And I, I didn't yell. I didn't get out of control. I spoke in a calm, reasoned voice. And uh, when I got through, the guy said, "Okay, uh, all right. Let me get, let me make sure I got this straight. Are you, are you saying that you're opposed to him?" doing anything about this. I said, oh, my Lord, are you kidding me? We just talked for this 10 minutes, and that's what you got out of it? You got out of it? I'm not sure what this guy thinks. I said, please get me your uh, supervisor. Please get me your supervisor so I can talk to them. And I spoke to the supervisor. Now, the supervisor, of course, was, was pretty sharp, and I told her the same thing. And she said, no, no, listen, you got to... Gotta understand that you know your your views and the congressmen's are pretty close to the same thing. And, and she said, "I'll tell you right now that this it's not going to happen. As far as we know, it's not going to happen because everybody there knows there's not enough there's not enough push for it, and that uh, and they don't have enough votes for it." And uh, so I talked to her. I told her the same thing. I made sure that she understood that that this without anything else, if he did everything else perfectly, 
that this was going to be a deal breaker for me. Uh, as much as I might even end up liking the guy, as much as he may, he may, uh, he may kiss babies and and make flowers grow along the highway. That I was still going to vote against him, no matter what. And then I would take everybody that I knew with me, and she understood that. And that's what I try and get across. And I think that you should too. Oh yeah, and one last thing. Here's another thing that really bothered me about this is uh, I meant to ask the first few times I called I kept me I kept beating myself when I hung up because I said gosh I meant to ask uh, how many people are calling in and uh, and talking how many people are calling in I mean talk, yeah, calling in and talking about this and uh, and I kept forgetting alright so finally <clears throat> I uh, I remember this time. And I said, look, by the way, I said, I want to ask you, uh, uh, you guys keep track of the people that call, right? And you guys, uh, uh, you know, you guys have some way of uh, of knowing how many people are for and against and stuff like that. <clears throat> she says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She says, we keep a lot of records on that. And uh, we keep notes on what they said, what specific things that they you know, that they were talking about, asking about. Now, she might, and maybe the other guy did too, but if he did, he was one sorry note-taker. Uh, anyway, I said, all right, so tell me, what, uh, <clears throat> what, uh, and listen, uh, uh, Jimmy, I'm going to, don't hang up, and I'm going to get to you in just a second, uh, and uh, Mark too. Uh, so you guys don't hang up. I'm going to get right with you. I'm going to bring you in there. Uh, I asked him, I said, I need you to tell me how many people have called. Uh, because I know I'm not the only one, right? I said, so how many people have called? She goes, no, no, you're right. You're not the only one. She said, uh, in the last couple of days, I think, she goes, there's been four or five people that have called. And right then and there, my my heart just almost stopped. Uh, yes, our county is, uh, I mean, our, our district here. Is fairly small. It's still under the forty thousand mark because when you in Texas, when a county gets a forty thousand mark, you automatically you automatically come under uh, a whole new set of rules for your county. All all new kinds of things uh, happen to you when you trip the forty thousand uh, uh, folks mark. But I still thought there's a lot of folks in this county, and they would think that. Uh, that their phone would have been burned off the wall, but it wasn't. Four or five calls in the last few days. Well, I made sure that I stepped up my calling, but you guys, you got to call. you got to call and talk to your senators. you got to let them know because you start hearing these, these weak, uh, the, the sounds of weakness in their voices, you got to, and, and that's one thing that I, that I just detest about. I'm not even going to say who it is. I'll tell you, it's it's one of the parties, one of the parties that is usually supposed to be doing the right thing, and they end up compromising, and 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 the other side never does, and 
and you see the Republicans up there, and they get so weak, and they get so, uh, it's, it just drives me insane. Hey, listen, uh, number one, I'm not a nonprofit thing. Uh, I'm my own independent radio voice. I can talk about whoever I want. I can start, uh, I can get up here right now and start telling you who I want you to vote for. Because I'm not a nonprofit. I'm an individual uh, who has a privately owned radio show. And that's me. That's the Rifle Radio. Individual, privately owned. I don't do it because I, cause I think it's uh, ridiculous. You're all grown men and women. If you can't figure out who to vote for, then then you're a tough luck. I don't need to tell you who to vote for. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I'm not bound by any uh, by any rules of anything. I can do anything I want. I can I can curse solidly, vulgarly curse for two hours uh, and try and get you to turn into communists. Whatever I want to do, I can do. But I don't, okay? Uh, just because I don't. But I'm telling you that if you don't let your congressmen and senators know, then they may feel that... Uh, that they can weasel out on this and make some kind of deal and let something water through and end up with something like the McCain-Feingold Act and and commit treason. That's not something that uh, that's not something that we should allow them to do. Okay, so you guys have to understand that you've got to be calling and talking to your your citizen, senators and congressmen. And look, I hear it all the time. It's not going to do any good. Why call? What does it matter? Blah, blah, blah. It does matter. And what is the, what's your alternative? What else are you going to do? How else are you going to fix it? Because the other thing is I hear guys talking about it all the time. I hear this. I hear all the time the mole and lobe, the – You'll tell you, you can have my gun when you apply for my cold, dead hands. Listen, if you won't call your senator or congressman, why in the world would I think that you would be out on the line uh, resisting the government with your rifle? And the answer is you wouldn't be. If you can't be bothered to call your senator and tell them what they should be doing to represent you, and they're looking to see if, if they do it, and if they don't do it, throwing their butts out on the road, then why in the world would I think that you are, are going to be out on the line with a rifle somewhere defending your constitutional rights uh, with a rifle? Okay. Uh, I believe it was something. There was, uh, I believe it was Mark from Arkansas. His call dropped. Anyway, you call back in. We'll put you on the line as soon as you come back in. Right now, we're going to bring uh, Jimmy from Carlsbad on the line. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Hey, boss. How are you doing today? Good, good. Is this uh, Jimmy with Desert Eagle? You got it, boss. You sound like I feel. You must be. <laughs> you must have got some of that crud cola somewhere. <laughs> well, I did, and I've got. Uh, I've been cutting brush. I got. Uh, uh, I've got another section of property that I need to put cattle on. And, uh, wow. And then we well, got for, uh, for this year we had. Well, for everybody this year we had. Uh, <laughs> we're going to let's try this again. You go ahead, Jimmy. You go. You go ahead and tell me what you're going to say. All right. Well, 
anybody listening out there, uh, Sam knows that I sit there and folks t- uh, call me an activist because I've got the Congress on my on my speed dial. And uh, for folks that want to call their congressmen and senators, all they got to do is call the uh, switchboard up there, which is 202-224-3121, and tell them who your congressman or senator is or tell them who you want to talk to, and they'll put it right through to them, to their office anyway. Right. That's, but, if, they're, uh, if they're in session, if they're in session, usually they'll do that. And they have, and and they have to keep an office there, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, I usually make sure that I call... Uh, like uh, like your congressman, they'll usually have three offices. They'll usually have they'll usually keep three offices across the nation. Uh, and who knows how much that's costing the taxpayers? But they'll have an office in Washington, and uh, then they'll have a couple of other. They'll have a, an office locally because they, you're supposed to be able to walk into their office in your district, and uh, you know, and talk to whoever. Uh, whoever's there. Now that I haven't tried in a few years, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing that. I'm gonna start walking in and uh and talking. Well it's, it's like with our Congressman Pierce here, he's got his office that I use that Washington number and then he's got his Roswell office, his Hobbs office and his Crucis office. And uh I think at one time he had one in Alamogordo, I'm not sure. But uh, uh our, our Congressman Pierce seems to be listening to us. We'll see how things go. But uh, also our state reps, they've got a couple of bills up there that have got New Mexico fired up. And I'm sure Sam sits there, and every time he starts his email, it's like, oh, God, Jimmy's got something else that got in his shorts and bidding. <laughs> so, uh, right. I, I right. That's, that's, one thing, that's one thing you can do is making sure that you're talking to your congressmen and senators. Listen, the other thing you can do is making sure – that you are involved with uh, the folks who are putting their uh, their necks on a chopping block uh, out there to protect your rights too, and that's your state rifle organizations. Because almost every state has a state rifle organization. I know New Mexico does. Texas has the Texas State Rifle Association, and they. Uh, I'm telling you, the Texas State Rifle Association and the California uh, group are just about almost as. Uh, as big and as uh, and doing as good a job as the NRA, uh, they are out. They're out there every day doing it. Even my dad, my dad, who who he used to be a Democrat forever, and then uh, and he told me last week. I kind of had to start laughing because he came, he got out of his car, and he goes, "I just renewed my membership in the NRA for three years." <laughs> Well, another, uh, another uh, one for folks to look at uh, is, is their uh, Trappers Associations. We've got the New Mexico Trappers Association here in New Mexico, which I'm a member of. And uh, if they go, if they look up uh, Trapper and Predator Caller on the web, uh, they can go to that website and go to their state, and it tells them who their Trapper representatives are. And... Um, Get associated with them because they've got a fairly good lobby both in the states and in the federal too. And that's another thing that I keep stressing it, folks, is that, uh, you know, don't just focus on your gun groups. Look at your trappers. Look at your fishermen. Look at your bird, you know, National Turkey Federation, all of them. We've got to stick together or we'll hang separately and uh, get folks wound up. And uh, right. but, but the thing I was going to get you on here 
this morning I had an interesting thought, and while I was talking to a uh, co-host while I go to your screener, I gave dates, and I sat there, and while I was waiting between coffee, I, I brought it up and checked it. But if you look at the date on it, December 16th, 1773, was the Boston Tea Party. Now, didn't we two years ago have our Tea Party candidates and everything that we stood up and we made our voices heard and we got elected? And then you go from December 1773 to April 19th, 1775, that's two years. Now we've gone from the Tea Party's getting elected to two years later, and they're talking about taking our guns. And they're really talking hard on it. But uh, it's, it's, I had that thought, you know, those that do not know history are doomed to repeat it. And I thought that was just kind of ironic, a two-year span on both of them. Well, you've got uh, you've got... It, it, Every single time that the government that the the government has done something that the people didn't like, and the people started making noises about it. Uh, and between that, that time frame, country. they introduced the intolerable acts. Well, Gee, I'm just that saying that that's, that's how we became a country. Is because the the government decided that the people you know, were making too much noise, and the best thing to do was to make sure that they had no way of disputing what the government was doing. And they decided to go out and take the gunpowder from the folks. And uh, they did. They went out and they took it. Uh, and, uh, Our powder alarm, but, yeah. But they were, never, they were never able to do it again. And I told folks, and I thought that was, as far as the, uh, the planning and the... Uh, the, that, that that was a ridiculous affair that they did because all they the all the uh, the British did all Gage uh, did who was the governor there of the colonies all he did was train the colonists in how to prepare and how to respond to situations the next like time that. He did that's it. all they did. Yeah. Yep. So that's all they were, that's all he did was train them how to do it. And uh, then you look at the same thing happening in Texas. That's how Texas became uh, a nation at first, because Texas was a, a, a separate country at first, because the the colonists in uh, Texas wanted to have their rights, same rights that the Mexican cities had, the Mexicans had under their constitution. They denied those rights. And whenever they started uh, making noise about it, the general in control then, Santa Ana, decided the best thing to do was to go and get their, to go and confiscate their firearms because they were making noises about uh, how much they they didn't appreciate what was going on. And he said, "Well, I'm going to fix this. We're going to we're going to stop them by taking their firearms, and they'll have to just shut up because they can't do anything about it." And so that is how Texas came to be a nation and, uh, and eventually a state here. Did, because did uh, of, Sam because send of, uh, you that song that uh, I sent him the other day about the uh, Gonzales cannons? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. No, I know I he's got it. I, so I put him on the spot. He's going to have to send it to you. 
I but, looked at uh, my emails lately, so so I I don't know for sure. Well, the another couple of things for you, and then I'll let you get to the uh, to Mark here. Uh, okay. Back in our elections and everything, I found out that uh, we had a sh- uh, young man running for sheriff here in Eddy County, and uh, sat there and tried over about a two week period to get with him because I wanted to find out if he was worthy of my vote. And uh, either he was, every time we had a chance for coffee, he was either in uh, called into court as an expert witness or I had a VA appointment. So we played phone tag and everything else. And I told Teresa, I says, well, it's, it's you know, going to have to be one of those deals. I guess I'm going to have to catch him at a function or something. And uh, about 5 o'clock in the evening, the phone rang. And uh, Teresa was working on dinner, and it was uh, Scott London the guy running for sheriff, and he said, uh, Mr. Gensling, he says, I just got off work and wondered if you'd mind if I dropped by. And uh, I'm kind of like, well, uh, yeah, I don't mind, but you do realize that we live far enough out in the sticks they got to pipe daylight to us. And he said, no problem. He says, give me directions, and I did. And he drove all the way out here. We talked for about close to an hour, and I was just about ready to, you know, I liked what he said. I liked his points of view. Asked him a lot of pertinent questions, and I was just about ready to hit him with the uh, constitutional authority of a sheriff. And he held his hand up, and he says, may I? And I looked at him, and he finished my statement, reached in his back pocket, and pulled out a worn and tattered constitution and said, held it up and says, this has settled more arguments in the last five days than anything. Do you have one? And I reached in my pocket and pulled mine out and said, yeah, and I think mine looks a little worse than yours. And we had a laugh. And he carries a case of them in his car. Well, that set me up for vote for the man. But not only vote for him, but I started campaigning for him. He got elected. Now, here in New Mexico, if an incumbent gets beat, it's normally by a few hundred votes at the most. Scott London won in Eddy County by almost 2,000 votes. And the news people here were trying to figure out what the heck did we miss here? What's going on? And so far, Scott is is holding hard and fast to it. Uh, I'm part of his, uh, as he calls it, citizen uh, transition team. My job right now is I'm working with Maricopa County and uh, and, uh, Otero County and a couple other places getting information on their training for their uh, citizen posses and stuff and getting all those documents and everything to hand over to Scott, and then he'll tell me what he wants me to do next. Uh, Teresa's working on PSAs for the uh, Sheriff's Department. That'll start airing soon. And uh, then, question for you, do you listen to the, uh, we get it here on Sunday evenings on 990 KSVP, Uh, do you listen to the uh, Armed American Radio Show? Uh, do I know, huh? Okay, they you you they've got it on several stations around Texas, I know. But uh, I became a big fan of that uh, about a year ago, and uh, I talked to Gene Dow. He's the uh, owner of KSVP here in uh, Pecos Valley Broadcasting. And uh, this coming week, I'm going to be cutting some PSAs that we're going to run. Uh, during the Armed American Radio Show on Sunday nights, and then they'll get rotated every now and then through the week, that 
they're they're basically going to kind of be uh, hi folks. This is Jimmy Gensling. You know me from Appleseed and the Revolutionary War Veterans Association. We support the Armed American Radio Show. One thing that they talk about is safety and training, and that's what Appleseed's all about for information, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And we'll have these 30-second commercials run during that radio show every Sunday night, plus they'll get stuck in uh, uh, through the week going through there. So we'll get some more folks at least thinking about Appleseed. So I'm I'm seven-stepping as always. Causing hate, okay, distrust, well, discontent, what I do well, best. <laughs> well, let me ask you, how did the uh, the Christmas for our troops go? We sent over 2,600 boxes this year to Afghanistan. And uh, I sent a couple of late boxes. Uh, we had a, a uh, sniper team, uh, forward operating group that were over there that had been emailing back and forth with. And... Uh, got in touch with them from uh, Milt, who's one of our Appleseed instructors over there on the other side of the hill in Alamogordo. They sent me a link to a young man with his email, and he was in country, and I started emailing back with him, and then a couple of his guys started talking to me. And uh, our Radio Shack guy here, Terry's Electronics, the guys over there had a special request, and I talked to a guy, uh, to Terry at Terry's Electronics here, and Terry provided the uh, 12-volt chargers for NICADs plus a large selection of AA and D NICAD batteries, and I put together a solar panel and everything for it, and we got this shipped over to the kids over there because thanks to our illustrious supply system for the kids, they couldn't get uh, the rechargeable batteries or anything for their night vision and other stuff. So we got them a whole package sent in there so that they not only had the chargers, they had the batteries, and they had a solar panel. So we made those kids happy. But, uh, yeah, Christmas for our troops went really well. Um, got a lot of help and a lot of support from uh, the apple seeders out there and all, as always. And uh, we've, we've started getting some of the letters back. I've sent some of them out. Um have to get some forwarded over to you so you can see what the kids have to say. Right. Well, thank you guys for for working on that and getting them out, getting these the packages to the troops because it means a great deal of them, great deal to them. You guys oh, did a yeah. great well, job of that, and, uh, I, and I so did the, so the companies that were that were helping you guys out because you guys got a lot of really nice goodies this year, didn't you? Oh yeah, Rem, uh, Remington. Of course, every year we get a pallet of. Uh, rim oil and boar snakes and all kinds of gun cleaning and gun care stuff and and that goes into every box and uh, then a couple of the uh, pet places uh, like pet smart or something there locally donated a bunch of stuff for us for the canine boxes because because folks forget about we've got the we've got the dogs over there and uh, then of course we we had rough estimate and and that's the only way we can put it was close to two hundred thousand cards and letters from kids and folks that went into the boxes. Uh those are the gold mines. Those are the those are the most precious things. And 
then of course uh you know the goodies and the snacks and everything those those boxes are pretty well stuffed when uh when they go down there when they get when they finally go to the post office right but uh it was it, as always it it never ceases to amaze me we were kind of nervous this year because the way economy was um that we may fall short and we we didn't fall short at all uh, a lot of folks donated the cash and everything to help cover postage. Postage this year was almost sixty thousand dollars. And wow. uh but I mean it it amazes me, it never ceases to amaze me, I should put it that way, how people come together and you know, one kid comes up and drops one bag of M and M's in the box. And it's like we had that happen at the Walmart here when we did it uh, in front of Walmart a couple of days. And I bent down and talked to her. She was about eight. And I told her, um, I said, you know what that box, is, that, that bag of M&M's is going to do? And she goes, no. And I told her because last year I met a young man that got one of our boxes. And the guy that right. was, that got the box, there was a bag of M&M's in it. And the kid would eat one M&M a night. Made a bag of M&M's last over a month. And I told her about that, and she looked at her mommy and smiled. And, I, you know, it just, I like that time of year, my friend. I wish we could, I, next year I wish we could just hand them to them. That'd be a lot better deal. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, me too. I'd like them all to come home. Well, Jimmy, thank you very, very much. I appreciate thank you calling. You I appreciate the... Uh, the work that you guys are doing, and uh, and don't be a stranger. Don't be sure and call oh, no, in every time you've got just, something right going now, on. We're trying to sure find ammo. <laughs> Take well, care. I, I don't know what to do about that. Have you guys found any? Because uh, No, i tell you, when I, uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was up in Albuquerque to, at the VA, I went over to Sportsman's Warehouse to see what I could scrounge, and I saw something I didn't think I would ever see. I walked around the corner, to the reloading section, and because at the Sportsman's Warehouse in Albuquerque, they've got all their 22 stuff and everything on the uh, far end of the reloading. There were no primers at all, except for a few Magnum shotgun primers. There were absolutely no bullets for reloading. Their their powder gone. They didn't have any. There there weren't any reloading dies. There weren't any bullet molds. There weren't any presses. There wasn't any shot wads. There was nothing in that store. The the salesmen were sitting back at the gun counter playing with their iPhones. Right. And I'm standing right. here like, oh, crap. <laughs> and right. I went down, and where they normally have the pallets of the twenty two ammo and everything, there was nothing. There was bare tile, and I asked. Right, that's the way. That's the way it is here. We, uh, we, uh, we've got nothing uh, really on the shelves, no matter where you go. Now, I I know that uh, uh, Academy is getting here in, uh, locally in Temple. Academy is getting a load, I think, uh, once a week. We're getting a shipment. I'm not going to call it a load because it's not that much. But you better be there because the people, the, the other folks are. They're standing there waiting. Well, that, that's the way it was. I was there on a Thursday, and the parking lot in front was full because I thought they were having a sale or something. The parking lot was full. Right next door is a Costco, 
and the Costco parking lot was full. Right across the street is a Sam's Club, and that parking lot was full. But it seemed like there were more people in the parking lot than there were, come to find out, everybody was parking in the other lots because they were all full. And they were waiting because it was Thursday, and there was supposed to be a truck coming in. And, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm sort of kind of glad I've got a VA appointment here about 1 o'clock because if I'm in the doorway, I might get run over. <laughs> so, well, but they wait I don't for the truck that, to pull that, up. Uh, and a lot of people inside. understand how, uh, how serious this is, especially for Appleseed, because <clears throat> there is no ammunition. Like I was talking to a guy today about it, and he hadn't been, uh, he hadn't been really paying attention to what's been going on. And I was trying to explain to him, I don't know what he was saying. He was talking about getting some ammunition for something. And I said, well, good luck on that. I said, there is no ammunition. There's no ammunition at any of the stores, uh, especially not, he goes, well, not even 22s. That's the most common rifle everybody has. I said, you're exactly right. And that's why there's not a single bullet on any of the shelves of 22. I've got lots of people that are emailing me and uh, messaging me saying, look, I want to come to the event, but I can't find any ammunition. Can you sell me some when I get there? And that means that we're not going to have people coming to events because they they have no ammunition to shoot when they get here. Maybe, maybe some places are different. I don't know. But I know here in Texas there is no 22 ammunition no matter where you go. Now, I found one box of 22 Magnum, and I found... Uh, uh, I got two boxes of 410. Uh, it was a new, it was some new defensive round that they had. I went ahead and bought it, the two boxes of that. It was a dollar a round. And then uh, uh, now they did have a big stack of 40 caliber. I guess nobody was buying the 40 caliber. So they did have a big mm-hmm. stack of that. Other than that, that was, that was it. And they had some Back bird in, shot, uh, some uh, shotgun bird shot. I don't know if you're how old you are, Scout, but you might be a kid to remember this. But uh, another particular individual that's listening on the switchboard and I talked about this once before. And back in uh, '60s and up until the '70s, you used to could buy a herder's reloading kit for 22 long rifle. Right. You had the liquid primer that you put in. And you let it dry, and then you put your powder charge in, and you reseat your bullet. And uh, something tells me that those might actually come back into vogue someday soon. Well, like you said, there is no, there is no uh, loaded ammunition on the shelves. I mean, there there is. You'll find different things. Like there were a few boxes of uh, of different hunting calibers. There was uh, some 300 Winchester Magnum. There was, uh, I think, I saw one box of 270. Uh, there may have been five boxes of the, uh, I think the Remington Corlock 30 out six. Uh, I didn't buy those because I've already got, I've already got the 30 out six. But the uh, there was uh, uh, there was 40 caliber, and I actually sent people to uh, Walmart to buy all the 40 caliber because we had a concealed carry course for people that that uh, that didn't either couldn't find ammunition or they didn't have a a firearm, and so I loaned them my 40, my uh, my Springfield 40 caliber, 
to shoot the qualification course for the seat concealed carry course that we taught at Battle Road. But other than that, there was no ammunition, and uh, and there was no ammunition anywhere. So I don't know. This is going to have a big effect on on apple seeds because if you don't have, if you cannot buy the uh, 500 rounds or so that it takes to shoot an apple seed, then you're not going to go. So mm-hmm. I, I'd like to hear what I'd like to hear how it's affecting. Uh, the apple seeds. I haven't checked and see if it's, anything's written about it on the forum. I imagine that there there should be by now. <clears throat> but uh, as far as I know, there's no place to get it anywhere, online or anything. Now, obviously, uh, unless things get even worse, then it's going to settle back down. The reason that it's like this now is because normally all the people aren't out there buying ammunition. So it's no different than uh, if a hurricane were getting ready to come through town. You know, everybody goes in, they clean out all the stores. There's nothing left on the shelves, not even dog food. And uh, and eventually the hurricane passes, and the supply uh, picks up, they ramp it up, and the supply picks up enough to meet the at least minimal demands, and it finally goes back to normal. <clears throat> and certainly, hopefully, that will happen here. I already, I already see some of the prices for things starting to go down. Uh, you know, there were uh, the... the Magazines, say for AR-15, the AR-15 T mags went uh, from 9.95, and I know because we bought, uh, I think we bought like 60 of the 30-round mags, uh, you know, the week before this happened, and mm-hmm. uh, they were 9.95, and then uh, two weeks later, they're 75 bucks a piece, and. Uh, I was telling my business partner, I said, you know, if we were smart, we would sell every one of these, just keep a couple of our old ones. We'd sell every one of these new ones we just bought, and we would wait until everything died back down to normal, and we'd take that money, and we'd go and buy it, you know, use it for for other things. But So hopefully this is going to die back down, and the the supply will eventually uh, start meeting demand, and then it will surpass it, and then things will get back to normal. But right now it's a crunch. It is, and uh, one one other quick thing here, and I'll get off. I don't know if you're familiar with the Eastern Sports and Outdoor Show that they have up in, I think it's in Pennsylvania or someplace. But uh, the show promoters that run it are a bunch of Brits, and uh, they made the announcement a few weeks back that uh, they were not going to allow any. Uh, sporting rifles, ARs, or anything like that to be displayed or sold uh, or orders taken for of at the show. And yeah, the I know it's a big controversy because they're the largest uh, they're the largest show in the nation, and, yep. uh, and it is causing they just canceled the show. a controversy. They just canceled the show today. The, the, huh. the news hit the wires about two hours ago. They've canceled the show. Because, is that because all of the, the gun dealers of the, and everything uh, backed out. Okay. Yeah, well, good. And this is a time when you should be doing that. You should be showing solidarity. You should be making sure that the people know this. You know, the folks like, uh, well, even like Walmart, who I believe is making the decision to back out of selling ammunition, which is which is horrible because Walmart is such a large uh a large uh, corporation that they can buy in, in huge amounts and then they can pass the savings on to you. So if Walmart stops doing that, it's going to make it harder. It's going to make it more expensive to get ammunition unless you're already 
unless you're already buying somewhere online, but a lot of people aren't. A lot of people like to go to Walmart. I do. I go to Walmart and I buy the bulk uh, 22, the 550 uh, round 22 uh, packs, and uh, I shoot those, and then I keep those to to use for apple cedars who come out and stuff like that. If they're not going to do that anymore, then uh, then it's going to be a hardship on everybody. And I think that uh, folks, uh, this is a time to let folks know. Look, if if you go, if you do this, then I'm taking my business elsewhere. And you should be doing that with with all the stores for whatever reason it is. If you see a store that uh, uh, that has the uh, you know the no gun thing on there, you know I I always go in. I'll make it a point to go in and say, look. I just want to let you know that uh, that if I'm not allowed to uh, defend myself in your store, then I won't go in there. And the same thing you should be doing with Walmart. All these, the rest of the folks that are that are jumping on this bandwagon and uh, and trying to criminalize uh, these rifles and stuff, I would let them know because you know we have talked about this. Uh, uh, I believe on the last show. That if you look at the the actual statistics for this, everybody everybody thinks that they're really doing something, that they're really going to do something by this. But if you look at the statistics, you'll see that first of all, we're at a 45 year low for homicides, uh, and uh, that includes homicides by gun. Now you mm-hmm. take uh, the last uh, the last the data for the the last year it's available, that's 2011, and say you have close to 12,000 homicides. Uh, of those 12,000 homicides, you break it down to the number of ones that were the the number of murders that were committed with rifles. You get to about 300. It's less than that, but about 300. Then you look at those 300 rifles and how many of those 300 rifles were these so-called evil rivals, and it's less than a dozen. So yep. what you have is even if you made every single rifle disappear right this instant, the you have. You have well. I'm saying it. Even if you can take them out of the criminals' hands, you would stop uh, about 11 murders out of 12,000. Yeah, more people are killed with hammers of one percent. More people are killed with twice as many people are killed with hammers than they are with rifles. So we need <laughs> to have all uh, the hammers. Let's let's hit the do it centers and take all the hammers off the racks. Well, you ha- you have folks that uh, that. Uh, well, let's say you could talk to them about uh, about the fact that that prescription medicine. Say, uh, if you look at the number of deaths caused by doctors in prescription medicine every year, we have uh, like uh, for this last year with the data, we have one hundred and eighty thousand deaths from misprescribed are overprescribed medicine. Now I'm not talking about uh, I'm not talking about illicit drugs. I'm talking about doctors prescribing uh, the wrong kind of medicine or the right kind of medicine, but too much or too little. And you have 180,000 deaths. Now you would say the first thing you would think of is you would say, Oh my gosh. We have to do something about it. Let's make a law. Let's make a law that they cannot misprescribe medicine or overprescribe it. They've and already got that law. Other people, right, right, exactly. But you have other people saying, now hold on just a minute, because I know that this is a problem. I know it's killing 180,000 people. 
But let's think about how many people it saves. Let's think about the children. All right, well, I'll even buy that argument. But if you're going to do that, then let's apply the same argument to firearms. Because you have uh, you have the 12 out of 12,000 uh, homicides committed with the rifles. But let's look at the facts that even the Clinton Justice Department, the Clinton Justice Department tried to skew the facts as hard as they could, but they still could not get below a number that was above 100 and, uh, I mean, uh, 1.5 million times a year that firearms were used to prevent a crime. The actual number runs right up around 2.5 million times a year that firearms are used to prevent a crime, including rape, murder, arson, kidnapping. And the majority of these times, the firearm is not even discharged. So you have All it is is brandishing the weapon. Times, you know, 2.5 million times that a firearm has prevented a crime in the hands of citizens. We're not talking about police. But 2.5 million times that a firearm has prevented a crime in the hands of citizens versus the uh, uh, the 12 deaths for the rifle. And now, uh, I'm sure that there is uh, a, a large number of, crime, of uh, homicides for pistols, but even that is not that many uh, in, in this last year. I don't remember, I can't remember off the top of my head what the number is, but even that was a very small amount. The majority of murders in this country are committed with no weapons. They're committed with hands. The majority mm-hmm. are. People get hit, they get punched, they get on the ground, they get stomped on, they get strangled. <clears throat> You're, the the knee-jerk reaction is not the right one. Uh, whenever you have the first thing that people do is they say, let's make it illegal to have guns anywhere here. Well, that's fine, except for, as I was talking about earlier, you can make all the laws you want. But criminals have already told you that they are not going to obey the laws. So if you make it illegal for anybody to have a firearm in a certain place, where do you think that I'm going to go to commit my evil? I'm going to go to the place where it is already, uh, where I'm already assured that there's not going to be any firearms. I'm going to get in there, and that's where I'm going to do my evil. So the way that they're going about this is completely uh, wrong. And then if they look, if you look at your your areas, uh, such as let's say Washington D.C., Washington D.C. has some of the most rigorous gun laws in the nation, and yet they have the highest gun homicide rate. So how is that working? How is that working out? You compare that to States like, uh, we'll say like uh, New Hampshire, or even Connecticut, uh, even Connecticut, where they don't have uh, as many gun laws, and those states are down at the bottom uh, of the list as far as for for gun laws. Now, there's a lot of folks that are pushing back on this. Now, you're talking about the the sheriffs. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the uh, the folks that were pushing back, and yes, they've got. Uh, a lot of these sheriffs 
uh, are making the decision to uh, to tell people, uh, telling them that they're not going to enforce unconstitutional laws. Uh, let's see, who's uh, one of the latest ones? Let's see. Uh, Kansas, uh, Kansas. You've got the county sheriff Frank Denning, uh, who's saying first that uh, he was heartbroken by the act of the criminal uh, violence uh, that was uh, that was played out in uh, uh, recently in the schools. But he's gone on to say that uh, that that he's not going to enforce the uh, laws that are unconstitutional. Now, you've got other folks that, uh, and there's a great number of sheriffs that are saying, look, we're, we're not going to do this. And the sheriffs are the highest uh, law enforcement law in officer county. in that county. They're the highest law enforcement officer in that county. They're elected law enforcement officers. And, uh, they're saying that they are not going to enforce laws that are unconstitutional. Now you have other people that are screaming at you, saying, "How dare you do that? How dare you, you, you pick and choose?" But this has been going on for a long time. You've got even the feds uh, telling these sheriffs not to enforce immigration laws or not to enforce uh, uh, drug laws. And you've got the uh, You've got uh, certain states where where marijuana use uh, is you know, now supposedly illegal, but the thing is, in the federal side, it's illegal. So who wins? Right. And you've got uh, and you've got the feds telling me the sheriffs to look the other way on on uh, immigration. So this is not something uh, this is not something that is not already being done, and uh, I don't think that. Personally, I don't think that that what they're trying to do now uh, is going to work. I mean, number one, even though that there is a significantly larger number of Democrats uh, there in Washington, I think that a good many of them have to understand, they have to remember what happened when they signed on to Clinton's... Uh, Gun ban last time. They cleaned them out. They yep. cleaned them out. Now, once the Republicans got in, they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. So then they got thrown back out because they didn't do anything. But it cleaned well, out. Uh, it cleaned out all the folks that signed on to it. So I don't think that the at least not uh, the harshest measures that uh, say Feinstein has in in uh, and her gun control legislation are going to be pushed through, but uh, but they may try and push through some of the uh, some of the smaller points on it. That's why you've got to let the camel's your, nose is under the tent, right? You got to so, let your uh, representatives know. Well, I t- I'm going to have to get going here, but I'm, I've got to do a shout out for uh, one of our. Orange Hats down in Texas. Scuzzy will know who it is, but Kufar the in- Infidel says to say hello to everybody. And 
let me leave you with words of wisdom from the Duke, John Wayne. And this applies to most of these people up in Washington right now. Life is hard, but it's harder when you're stupid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. See, got, well, you laugh. You, got you to laugh. Got your blood pressure down. <laughs> thank you very much. All right. God bless Take you. Take care, boss. Take care of yourself, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Bye-bye. We got Spit uh, <clears throat> Stickler, who's saying that uh, here in the chat room, who's saying that he did hear that they were they were going to issue legislation to start banning hammers that had bayonet lugs, but only the assault hammers, only the hammers that could be determined to fall under the. Uh, restrictions of assault hammers, uh, ones with the bayonet lugs on them. And uh, uh, that is kind of crazy, isn't it? Now, New York, uh, in their latest uh, push through, their latest push in legislation, they removed the uh, uh, the, uh, stipulation of have, for a firearm, have two of the things uh, uh, on their list of things to make it an assault rifle, a quote assault rifle. And of course, one of those things is for it to have a pistol grip. So that automatically made uh, a whole new group of firearms because there are plenty of bolt action rifles uh, that have pistol grips now. There are plenty of shotguns that have pistol grips now. So they are now assault weapons. Uh, We've just got just a few minutes, and I've got uh, uh, Mark here in the in the queue here, and I, he said he's just listening, but I know he's got to have something he wants to, to say about this, so I'm going to bring you on the air, Mark. Mark, welcome to the show. Sure. How you are you doing? What's that? I say you're talking to me here. Yeah, I got you. I got you on the line. You don't have to say much. I just thought uh, I thought I'd give you a chance to to say something. You've been listening through the whole show. What's your take on this, Mark? Oh, I don't know. I think I think John Wayne just said it all there a minute ago, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got, I got a, a friend of mine sent me a little prayer here. It's my birthday card the other day. Can I read it? Read it? Yeah, absolutely. Please do. It says, Lord, make me fast and accurate. Let my aim be true in my hand faster than those who would seek to destroy me. Grant me victor, victory over my foes and those who that wish to do me harm, or do harm to me and mine. Let not my last thought be if I only had a gun. And, Lord, if today is truly the day, that you call me home, let me die in a pile of empty brass. <laughs> That's very, very good. Yeah, you know the. I read this. Uh, I read it to you before. I'm not going to do it tonight. I don't think I have enough time. But uh, there is. Uh, uh, maybe I will if I can. Uh, if I can. If I can find it real quick while I'm talking, but. Uh, there is uh, the Marine Corps uh, rules for gunfighting, and 
one of the things it has on it is say is it says uh, it says someday uh, I uh, you may be killed with your own gun, but uh, they better have to beat you today to death with it because uh, because it's empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not pretty good show. The scary times we're living in right now, but I think I think after it calms down a little bit, none, none of these none of these rules that they're going to try to make, none of these laws they're trying to make. Um, they kid that shot all them guys out there and all them kids out there in uh, Connecticut. They're in a gun rule one that would have stopped that. He stole them guns. He didn't buy them. Uh, right off the bat, he. He uh, broke two of the oldest laws on the books: "Thou shalt not steal" and "Thou shalt not kill." Right? Right. Um, they, they, when that guy shot all them people in that theater in Aurora, Colorado, they didn't push nothing there because it was before the election. Right. Right. Well, yeah. here's the thing: I, I, I'm always amazed by the hypocrisy of it because. You know, there's that video that's going around now, and and I gotta wait till people send me the stuff because I I don't spend enough time on the computer. But there's a video that that all of these actors made, you know, calling for you gotta do something now to stop the violence, stop the killing, and it's all of the the known actors, you know, all of the the famous actors. Well, somebody else went out there, and what they did is they use that same video that all of the actors put out there. There's like 30 or 40 of these actors, each one of them saying, we have to stop it. We've got to stop the violence now. We've got to stop the killing. And then what they did is they cut in, for each actor, they cut in uh, a film that that actor was in when that actor was using a gun to butcher somebody or a sword or or something like that. So, so each of those actors were making money on violence and on killing and on guns. But yeah. they're perfectly willing to tell you to stop what you're doing. And uh, and then you have these people like, uh, uh, well, all of the, uh, you hear about it every day. Not as much as, as it should be because it's, it's on the side that the media uh, protects. But you have folks all the time, uh, folks, I don't remember who it was, a congressman just recently uh, who got arrested, I think, for for trying to get on a plane with a gun because he forgot that he had his gun with him. He voted. He's been an anti-gun uh, advocate all the time, but yet he's carrying a gun. You've got all of these folks, all these actors, and everybody that's voting against no guns. We don't want you to have any guns. And yet every one of them have armed guards, have people oh, yeah. with guns. Protecting them, and that's one of the things. Whenever I, the last time I wrote to my my senators, that's one of the things I wrote to them. I go, look, uh, I'd like to know why, why, or you tell me. You guys have uh, security. You have guys with guns to protect you, to make sure that you're safe and nothing happens to you. Now, what I need to tell you, what I need you to tell me is why a senator's life is more important 
than the life of one of my family members? And I'm going to tell you I know the answer already. That is, it's not. It's not more important than my family member. So if you have armed guards to protect you and your family, why am I not allowed to have a firearm to protect myself and my family? Yep. So that's uh, that's something to think about. Well, Mark, thanks for giving me a good sport and, uh, and not yeah. hanging up when I called you. No, you're right. Yeah, I appreciate that. And God bless you. Keep listening. And uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to bring uh, not uh, uh, not this next week, but the week after, uh, I'm supposed to have uh, uh, Sheriff Richard Mack on. And the Sheriff Mack has done a great deal. We had him back on, I think, in 2011. But I want to talk to him again about the work that he's been doing with the uh, – uh, the CSPOA, uh, and that is the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers uh, Association, that he's been trying to get uh, everybody uh, everybody on the same boat, and that is for them to understand that uh, the county sheriffs are the the most uh, the most important law enforcement officers uh, in the county, and to get them to understand that they have a lot of power, that they have a lot of ability uh, to protect the the folks in their county. And he's been doing a great, a great job. Of it. So you guys uh, be sure to put that on your calendar and, uh, and be sure to be back then. Mark, thanks a lot. God bless you. And uh, and uh, hopefully we'll see you next week, okay? All righty. You betcha. See you later. All right. Thank you, brother. Okay. We just, uh, so we've got just a couple of minutes here. But I think that's going to be enough time uh, for me to read this again, and I, I just think it's a great, uh, a great little piece of work. This is the Marine Corps rules for gunfighting. Yeah, the first rule, which is bring a gun, preferably bring at least two guns, and bring all of your friends who have guns. Number two, anything worth shooting is worth shooting twice, and more cheap life is expensive. Number three. Only hits count. The only thing worse than a miss is a slow miss. Number four, if your shooting stance is good, you're probably not moving fast enough or using cover correctly. Number five, move away from your attacker. Distance is your friend. Number six, if you can choose what to bring to a gunfight, bring a long gun and a friend with a long gun. Uh, number seven, in ten years, nobody will uh, nobody will remember the details, the caliber, the stance, and the tactics. They'll only remember who lived. Uh, number eight, if you're not shooting, you should be communicating, reloading, or running. Number nine, accuracy is relative. Most combat shooting standards will be more dependent on the bunker factor than the inherent accuracy of the gun. Number ten, somebody, someone someday may kill you with your own gun, but they should have to beat you to death with it because it's empty. Uh, number 11, always cheat, always win. The only unfair fight is the one you lose. Number 12, have a plan. Number 13, have a backup plan because the first one won't work. Number 14, use cover or concealment as much as possible. Number 15, flank your adversary when possible. Protect your flank. Number 16, don't drop your gun. And that's all i got for I'll, uh, I'll see you guys uh, next Thursday, same time, same bat channel. Until then, God bless and uh, keep you all. Good night, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.
Oh, it's free. 